This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.08. You're listening to I'm the evening. I'm such a mess. Thank you so much for saving me. <laughs> You're listening to the evening edition with Lynn and Sherrod. And Sherrod, it is at this point that I will queue up what you were attempting to do during our intro earlier, which is talk about basically what we heard um, what what we heard in a brief exchange uh, between Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim and the press that was gathered outside Istana Negara to hear from him after the meeting. Yeah, so uh, everybody's a little jumpy. And I think the press had, uh, in many of the reports, had jumped the, uh, the gun in, in naming Anwar Ibrahim uh, Prime Minister. So there was a bit of clarification when he came out and did that press conference. We remember also the press reported correctly that uh, Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin had left the palace mm-hmm. uh, without giving a press conference. So here it is, uh, Anwar Ibrahim in front of the press corps saying, uh, and channeling some of that discussion that, must, that was happening behind closed doors about what the monarch, uh, His Majesty, the Yang Diputong Agong, wants to see happen in terms of the formation of uh, the next government, right? So uh, these were broad values around inclusiveness, uh, not just um, ethnic, but also regional inclusiveness, uh, stability and such, right? So th- these are, in some sense, motherhood statements, but they give you a sense of what, what, what's happening. The question is, what uh, is going to happen in terms of who gets to play that role of organizing a government that is inclusive? Is it Anwar Ibrahim? And is the fact that he gave a press conference and not Tan Sri Muhyiddin, does that suggest that he's the man of the hour in terms of getting that? He's not been named prime minister. He was asked by the press corps. Was, has he? he said no. The press corps asked if he was, uh, there was a timeline in terms of these decisions. He said no, it's a prerogative of the palace. So we don't get any clear sense of how long this uncertainty around the formation of a government, whether it's a minority government or a Karajan uh, Papaduan or unity government, and what all these actually mean. So for what it's worth, Anwar Ibrahim said that at this point in time, uh, a minority government is not at play, um, right? He, he said that he wasn't asked about it. It's not something that he's put forward. Um, he reiterated again that phrase, Karajan Papaduan, but you know what form it's going to take is still unknown. Uh, just out of interest, I suppose, and for context, um, Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin was reported as having left the palace at around 5.05 or so p.m., um, so early in the five o'clock hour, um, while Anwar Ibrahim stepped outside and gave that um, statement to the press at about 5.50. So that there was an additional... You know, time uh, spent of Anwar Ibrahim in the palace. And also we have reports that the Attorney General also uh, came to the palace. And so clearly there's some issues around uh, the legality of what's going to have, that, or the constitu- constitutionality. Um, yeah. it's, it's interesting, again, whether our constitution is silent on some of these matters, right? How exactly do you operate in, the, in this particular context? We are uh, going to cross now to Dr. Wang Chinhuat, political scientist, to unpack this. We want to hear from you, though. Uh, basically, if you have questions, are you confused? What's going on? And how are you feeling about today's developments and updates? There have been a number of them. Uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, on the line with us now, Dr. Wang Chinhuat, political scientist. Uh, Chinhuat, thank you so much for taking our call again. 
Uh, thanks for having me again. <laughs> so, um, when we last spoke, we were waiting for uh, Anwar Ibrahim to address the press. He since came out and did. Uh, we, we've been discussing that statement. What did you make of it? Well, I think it suggests that the king would not want to see a government without PH because without PH, you would not have uh, the most, uh, the Chinese and the Indian community in the government. Uh, together, PH commanded. Uh, 37% of support. And at least uh, to get Chinese and Indian, you would need BN. And again, BN has uh, has made clear that it would not want to come into the government. So that basically leaves the, the, the stage open and uh, both PHBN would have to uh, reach out to different people and possibly a, colla- a grand coalition government, meaning that you have both PH and PN, which I personally think that that would be a bad idea, however. Okay, tell us why you think that's going to be a bad idea, because there are others who think this is a a great idea. Well, Grand Coalition government works only in two conditions. One is that when the country is facing a real crisis, for example, war, uh, some natural disaster, that people need to come together, that they put aside their private uh, interests partisan interests. Second is that when you have a culture of real uh, accommodations and power sharings, as in Germany, that uh, the major parties would always see themselves having this national duty to form a government that works. So they would they would be willing to make uh, they would they would be, they would they would be willing to enter into negotiations and reach some agreement for the government to function for the next five years or four years. And this is not the case in Malaysia, unfortunately, because that uh, we, if we're going to have a coalition government, is either we end up having two disastrous outcomes. One is that a government that would not trust each other, uh, whose minister would not trust each other, and they may actually put a blame on each other. So you do not have a functional government, and uh, the government may be very bloated just to make sure everyone is included. Second is the other, the opposite, that uh, somehow they decide to get together, and then because you then you do not have an effective check and balance from the parliament, because our parliament uh, has not been properly fun- fully functional. So we, we, we can get into that trouble. So if we want a un, uh, an inclusive government, then I would say define the government in the broader sense to include the legislative branch. So you can have one team forming a government, even if it's a minority government, as long as it's enjoying uh, conditional support on a confidence and supply agreement basis from some opposition. That would keep it uh, surviving for five years. But what is important is that this government must then reach out to the official opposition uh, to appoint them, formally recognize them as the sh- uh, with a shadow cabinet. Chin, what, uh, and we, then, yeah. yeah. Sorry, please go on. Yeah. yeah, with a shadow cabinet, with commensurate salaries, resources, and uh, access to government information uh, for the shadow minister. Basically, we need to lock in the opposition with some responsibility. And then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have uh, opposition try to bring down the government because they have nothing to do or they feel that they have been unjustly treated. I'd like to clarify uh, the term minority government because we discussed it earlier, but neither of us are experts. Um, so I guess the first question is, in the simplest possible terms, 
how does a minority government function and have we seen relative success with it or stability with it in other countries? Yes, uh, give, I, I'll give a simple, uh, closest example to us in New Zealand. Uh, in 2017, Jacinda Ardern formed a minority government uh, with, his, with her party, Labour, and New Zealand First, and then supported by the Green parties on a CSA basis. And that government lasted for three years, and uh, it was very successful in managing the pandemic, so much so that uh, New Zealand Labour won a majority in the next election in 2020. Yeah, so, okay, let, let, can I ask you something about what's just happened? Because a lot of us are reading signs that uh, I'm maybe inter- misinterpreting. I think earlier in the day, a car was sent to pick Anua up, and the people were in a frenzy thinking, oh, that's a sign that he would become prime minister. Then we learned that both leaders, in fact, uh, for PN and PH were there. And then uh, Tanshi Mudin Yasin leaves the palace without making a press conference. And but Anwar does make. So what do you what are you reading about this uh, in terms of who's going to lead this n- next leg of the conversation about forming a government stable enough mm-hmm. to take power? I think no door has been closed yet, but it looks like that Anwar has been given a bigger role to play. Uh, so clearly, we do not have a situation that, say, PH is being ruled out. And uh, as BN make, make it very clear that it, it wants to stay as an opposition, that's probably what it means, is that uh, whichever coalitions that want to move BN would have to offer it a good CSA deal. And that deal may include uh, decentralization for the state governments held by uh, BN, currently in uh, Johor and Malacca, likely in Ahang, and nominally in Para. So this, this would be an important part of the deal. And uh, going beyond that, it's also a question whether the East Malaysian blocs would continue supporting uh, PN because of past. We, we, we have seen today that uh, GPS backtracked is support for PN, saying that this is, this is left to the king, uh, which is not what you would expect of political leadership by dragging the, decision, dragging the palace into the decision. And Chin, what, what you mentioned there, uh, Barisan National, what is your take on um, the, I guess, the cards that they have played in, in this round of things, right? In which they're saying, yes, we, we're going to play our role as a strong opposition. Uh, but you are also seeing, of course, or rather there has been a lot of reports of internal fracturing within UMNO, um, you know, people challenging the leadership of Zaid Hamidi. What do you think's next there? Well, uh, if the dust probably would be settled only uh, after the no party elections due latest by 19 May. Uh, but I think before that, uh, the party would keep together. And uh, despite all this factionalism, uh, the MPs would are still bound by the party decision. So going for opposition is perhaps uh, the compromise positions on those who are pro-PN and pro-PH. And it's good for the party because if they go in as uh, if they go in as a junior partner, they're likely to take any blame for the government, uh, but would not take credit uh, for its success. So by staying out, that gives them more options to come back with a clear identity. 
But for a block with 30 seats, enough to decide where the majority would go, or in fact necessary to decide where the majority would go, uh, it would be irresponsible if BN ultimately does not want to sign a CSA to either side. Because then you really have a minority government that survives day by day. You would not know when it would lose its majority. Uh, it would be proven not having a majority. But if you have a CSA, then the government is as good as a majority government as we have seen in the New Zealand example. All you need to do is just to make sure that uh, the, uh, the CSA partner uh, would, would be happy to continue with the deal. Let's talk about, sorry, Lynn, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I just wanted to ask Jin Huat, um that, you know, in some senses, in some senses, locally, I think part of the issue is that identity politics then gets wrapped up in real politics, right? That you have parties seen as representing people or seen as representing very specific groups of uh, race, religion and the like. And so when they enter into CSAs or when they enter into agreements, you hear the, the cries of you know people saying it's, it's traitorous or that you know it, it's going against principle or that you don't get to have proper discussions. Mm-hmm. So do you see the potential of something like that happening here that you know we haven't grown past those conversations? We are learning to go past this stage. The reason why we have we have heard or seen so much uh, smearing and vicious attacks on each other during and after the election campaign is because our parties never really have to form share power with their main opponents. Whether in during BN time or in the two coalition period, uh, the expectation was the winner would form a simple majority government. So that took away the, initiate, the, the incentive for parties to be more sophisticated in balancing two competing calculations. Mm-hmm. The first calculation is product differentiation. You have to be different enough from your opponents to attract votes. Second is programmatic compatibility. You, you're the difference between you and your main opponents, who may be your coalition's government partner, cannot be too different until that you can come together and form a coalition government. In the past, this, is, this never has to be considered. But now this is the case. So if we lay down uh, the right step to get it done, uh, we, we would be able to survive and thrive, in fact, from future hung parliaments, because it got the parties to be more serious and no longer use moralists or communalists grandstanding against each other. And this is what we need. So if Anwar Ibrahim gets to be appointed as a next prime minister, I think what is important is not just a deal to include uh, various parties from uh, different regions, different ethnic community into the government or its CSA partner, but it must definitely reach out to the opposition so that he, he should give, he should give uh, the opposition's recognitions and resources and power as shadow cabinet. And the next thing, it really, we want to make sure that the government would not be too bloated because of this uh, the need to be inclusive is we should have a parliamentary committee for every ministry and the chair and the deputy chair of this committee, these committees are paid uh, some salary. So you spread out the job, but not put everyone in, uh, in the executive. 
you used to speak of a playbook that is not uh, i don't know fully uh, you know taken up by malaysian politicians i'm not quite sure if they're playing by the same playbook so i wanted to explore with you the worst possible scenario is it possible that we won't get past this crisis uh, there will not be uh, enough support for any government coming or wanting to take putrajaya and we might have to go back to the polls that happens in other countries, um, doesn't it? Yes, but, but you see, this would not solve the problem. If you go back to the poll, you might have the similar situations. People just come back. Either that people get frustrated and do not come out to vote, or if both sides can mobilize the ground, you might see one higher turnout, but the result might not be too much different. So it doesn't solve the problem. And this is why that uh, I have always been against the idea of having elections whenever you don't have a clear majority. That's the wrong thinking. The right thinking is that uh, we have to live with the parliament we have and get things work. And I think it's possible for things to work out because that if you don't, uh, the market would crash. Next thing, we would not have investors coming in. And when the economy goes down, all the political elites would be blamed. And no one really stands to gain. So it's much more reasonable and in the best interest of the politicians to come to a deal as long that, as the deal is inclusive enough. In closing, Jinhuat, um, I, I, we this was something that we touched on earlier, that some of these phrases are relatively new and unfamiliar. Um, how do you think that contributes to the way Malaysians are perceiving the process of forming uh, whatever this government is going to be and, and the process that it's, it's going through, which is quite slow. Yes, but uh, we put in comparative context, we are not slow at all. Uh, the Germans took months to form their government, and not, that's not because that they are having a very bitter power struggle, but in order to make the governments work, sometimes especially in forming a grand coalition, the parties would need to negotiate on policy details, what policy to take and in what detail directions and so on. And so we, we should not rush the process. In fact, we should recognize that there's no, uh, strictly, there is no deadline on when the government must be formed. However, if you want, if this government needs to pass a bill, uh, a new government needs to pass a bill, uh, a financial bill to make sure that we can pay we can pay our government to keep it running, then latest date would be 3rd of December. And I believe that we probably would see a government before end of the month. What we need is just that for people to voice out what kind of government they want, and no, whatever formation we talk about, there must be a package deal to include those that you do not like to be in the government. So, for example, for PH supporters, they must really recognize that, say, if PN were to be the opposition, PN must be given meaningful roles in policymaking and lawmaking through the parliament so that they would not think about uh, when and how to overthrow this government. Yeah, we have about a minute left or so. Uh, Chinwat, what role is there for civil society organizations in this at this point in time? I think civil society should talk about inclusiveness with the institu- institutional reform in mind. For example, we want uh, parliamentary reform so that 
the parliamentarians would be accountable, the government would be accountable, not to be bloated. We need to dismantle the massive structure of incumbent advantages that cause this country uh, to sink in, in corruptions and mismanagement. Chin Huat, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. Thanks so much. That was Dr. Wang Chinhuat, political scientist at Sunway University, um, kindly taking both our calls this evening as we had to interrupt him earlier uh, to cross over to Anwar Ibrahim's press statement. Um, keep those thoughts coming. We are just unpacking the continuing twists and turns of who is going to become the Prime Minister, who is going to form the government. Um, let us know how you're feeling about today's developments. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. You can, of course, also tweet us at PFM Radio. We'll be back for more of your messages and thoughts, after which uh, we are also going to look at how things are playing out in Sabah and Sarawak. So keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the VFM app.